As a reminder, the information provided in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek advice of your therapist or qualified mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental health disorder. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. The host, guests, and podcast network are not responsible for any actions or decisions you make based on the information provided. Now, let's dive right in. Hello, friends. Welcome once again to everybody's favorite therapy-themed podcast. This is This Changes Everything. I'm your host, Sarah, and with me again are you guys, the listeners, with some amazing questions. You guys did not disappoint this week. We are talking so much about love and relationships. We're talking about uh what to do if you keep dreaming over and over about an ex. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. And uh, we're also diving into how to have conversations with friend groups around IVF. Um, we're also going to talk about when it's time to date again. So if you guys listening have a question, you can always call in. Our number is 313-338-8828. The lines are open. You don't even have to talk to a real person. You just get to hear our adorable British uh producer on the voicemail and then you get to record your message. So thank you guys again for being so vulnerable and just sharing what you're sharing with everybody. You know, we are all in this journey of being a human together and it is comes with its ups and downs and is often challenging. So I'm here to help. I'm here to answer your questions and let's dive right in, shall we? Hi Sarah. Uh, my name's Kieran, they them pronouns. My question today revolves around how to know when you're ready to try to start dating again. I'm in therapy, I've been in therapy before, have had relationships before, um, but I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to get myself financially settled and secure, which doesn't leave me, I feel like it doesn't leave me a lot of time for romance, but I also, I, it, it maybe it's just the time of year because it's February, uh, that, you know, I, I would like a relationship. I'd like to have someone uh, to talk to that's more than a friend and you know, do those cute romantic things with, watch movies together, go out to eat together. And yeah, these are all things you can do with friends. And I do do those things with friends, but I guess, I don't know, a more one-on-one -on -one thing I'm looking for. But I just, I guess I don't know if I have the time to really make those kind of new connections. So... Yeah, any advice on knowing when to start dating again when you're a busy person or if the answer is don't date because you're busy, that's fine too. Um, yeah, because I, I know I don't need anyone in my life romantically. I'd be perfectly fine with me and my dogs, but, you know, it would be nice. So thanks for listening and any help you can give. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for this message. You know, I feel like what you are expressing in your voicemail is something that's so common. You know, so many people feel this struggle, this like tug of war between their personal life and their professional life. You know, I hear from a lot of people, they think they have to get to this place where, I don't know, they hit a certain goal or a certain achievement or a certain level of success. And then they're able to pursue a, a relationship. And part of that is true. You know, maybe there's, there's some things that we have to do to find some stability and find some routine and find, uh, like be able to support ourselves financially, but let's not let those work responsibilities become the only thing that matters. You know, if you want love, love is out there and busy people totally date. It, it, 
is not about having the time. It's about making the time, which I know sounds kind of silly. You know, how can I make the time if I don't have it? There are things that we choose to prioritize. And when we say yes to some things, we're saying no to others. And it sounds like you're somebody who has said yes to work and yes to prioritizing you know your financial growth for a long time and prioritize that and maybe it's time to just shift that focus a little bit you know i can remember when i was in grad school i was so busy and i was working full time and i was going to school and i was you know in a new marriage and trying to keep that afloat and I told myself, like, I, I can't, I have to spend all this time writing papers and I have to spend all this time, you know, putting so much energy into work. And that really took away from the energy that I had to put into my relationship. And so I did a little test. I said, what would happen if I not put zero effort? We're not talking like didn't even try or anything like that. But what ha- would happen if I just put a, a good amount of effort? into the work that I was doing in school? Would it impact my grades that much? And guess what? I got the exact same grade on those papers when I was putting, uh, like killing myself, doing so, so, so much work for it. Then when I did what I considered like a good amount of work. And when I shifted my priorities and I moved them towards the relationship, yes, it meant having to like take my foot off the gas a little bit at school. But I had the skills and I had the tools, as I think you do too, to keep that afloat, even if it means prioritizing something else for a little while. I think so many of us have this kind of all or nothing mentality or or kind of maybe if we haven't had that work-life balance, we see it as like, oh no, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, switch all of my focus to the relationship and then something's going to fall and I'm going to maybe lose my job and let's not go to extremes. You know, like there are ways that you can balance the two. You know, I was just reading this article the other week that was talking about work-life balance in the United States. And can you believe it? In a study that was done of the top 60 countries, uh, uh, the U.S. was 53rd in work-life balance. So not good, not good at all. We don't even make the top 50% of countries with good work-life balance. So just knowing that, knowing that we live in a society where there's a lot of pressure to kind of do it all and have it all and like not take your foot off of the gas for work is probably feeling hard to reprioritize or make something like love a priority for you if you're getting all these messages that say work, 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 and you got to keep climbing that ladder. So I want you to just recognize that, that this is going to be about a kind of taking inventory of your life. And it sounds like you're doing awesome. It sounds like you're, you know, doing a lot to work on your own mental health. I want to say, you know, big shout out to you for going to therapy. I love that. And, you know, maybe talk to your therapist about work-life balance and about maybe where your energy goes throughout the week. You know, there's this great, uh, little activity that I do with my clients. It's called the wheel of well-being. And it's this wheel that has different uh, factors in your life, like different areas of your life. It has your environment, your nutrition, your physical health, your social interactions, um, emotional well-being, a few other things on there. And you use this wheel to look at the areas where you have healthy habits, uh, where maybe you have bad habits, and areas where you want to put a little bit more intention or a little bit more energy. So maybe spending some time with your therapist to work on some more work-life balance. And I think a lot of this is just giving yourself permission to do both, to give yourself some time to prioritize love. You know, if, if it's something that you feel you are missing, then it's something that you can have in your life and it's something that you can pursue. And I think that's wonderful. And just, you know, keep in mind, busy people, like I said, have relationships all the time. But okay, so it might be a little bit difficult to make that switch, to maybe switch over into prioritizing love. And it could feel overwhelming. It could feel like, how do I do that? Where do I start? It doesn't have to be this thing where all of your time is now invested into you know, trying to find a significant other. 
just carve out a little bit of time. You know, maybe a strategy is like dedicating just one afternoon to either planning a date or maybe just going on the apps or maybe checking out some alternative dating uh activities or events. Like they have great meetups that you can do that a lot of cities that, you know, if you live in a city or a bigger city, they have, um, uh, what is it called? Speed dating. I have a few friends that have tried speed dating and that's super great. It's like an hour of your time. It doesn't have to be something that consumes all of your time. I think a lot of this is just getting into the right mindset, getting yourself to a mental place to feel ready to start dating again. And, you know, it is a really personal decision. And so take some time, you know, evaluate your emotional readiness and ask yourself if you feel like you're emotionally available for a relationship right now. You know, maybe there's a little bit of that. Maybe there's like, I want the companionship and I want the partnership, but I'm kind of busy working on me right now. And if that's the case, like you said, there are a lot of things that we can do with friends. There are a lot of ways that you can get those social and connection needs met where you don't have to maybe invest the um, emotional time that you would need to into a new relationship. So to summarize, take some time to look at your work-life balance, talk to your therapist about that, recognize that this is you know, your own timeline and a personal decision. And if you're feeling lonely or you're feeling like you need a little bit more connection, reach out to the connections that you already have and work to strengthen some of those. So thank you so much for this call. I wish you the best of luck in finding some love. I know, you know, February, we get all these messages of like, even all you have to do is like watch TV and you see commercials about love and, you know, these ring companies selling you like engagement, like this lifelong happiness, you know, that is just messages we're getting from commercials and February can feel a little bit like that, but take a time to look around at the connections and the relationships that you have, nurture those, that helps us to feel not so alone. And you know, love that little dog you have. And thank you so much for calling and for your voicemail. I know that this question is something that so many people have struggled with. So thank you for being a listener. All right. Well, before we dive into our next question, let's talk about the answer to all of your laundry troubles. I mean, if you're somebody who doesn't like having to pour the liquid out into that little container and maybe you like don't even know how much to put in there like me, or you're somebody who feels like, ugh, I hate all of the waste that all of this laundry stuff contributes to the planet. Well, I got good news for you. Earth Breeze is here to answer all of your questions and solve all of your laundry woes. Earth Breeze is, are these thin little eco sheets that you just throw into your laundry. You don't have to measure anything. It's super easy. They're already like pre-measured and, and, you know, all taken care of for you. And it will not only make laundry day super easy, but it's also way easy on the planet. It, they have already planted, what is it? Over 150,000 trees, cleaned over 1,200 pounds of plastic, and donated over 1 million loads of laundry and counting to those in need. So if you're looking to change up your laundry game and you want to do something to help the planet and support my show, then check out EarthBreeze. Right now, my listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. That's right. Go to earthbreeze.com slash TCE. That's earthbreeze.com slash TCE for 40% off of your subscription. Make Laundry Day a breeze. There you go. Hi, Sarah. Um, I really enjoy your podcast. Thanks so much for what you do and who you are. I am a listener from Holland. Um, I'm 28 years old. And my question revolves around healing. Um, I've been in a pretty unhealthy relationship when I was 16 years old. It lasted for about two years. And the partner who I was in a relationship with was uh, seven years older. It was a pretty rough experience and left me with quite a few negative beliefs. And um, currently, I'm in a healthy relationship with a lovely partner. We've been together for almost four years now. And I've been really putting in the work to heal from this unhealthy relationship and the beliefs it left with. It's already improved so much. Uh, I feel more trust in myself and my partner. And the belief that I will be harmed or hurt eventually is a lot less present. But 
I also notice that while I feel more and more secure in myself and my relationship, a voice pops up which says something along the lines of the healing is a bad thing. Uh, the more you trust and feel secure, the less prepared you'll be when something hurtful happens. Um, I would love to hear your thought process on this and uh, insights and possibly hear about how to approach it in um, a helpful way. Thanks uh, so much. Bye. Well, first I want to say I love knowing that this podcast reaches people all around the world. I love that you from Holland are calling in with this question. I love that this podcast has been able to help you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for being so vulnerable in your voicemail, you know, talking about that unhealthy relationship that you had at a younger age and the impact that it had on your beliefs and kind of your feelings in your current relationship, it makes so much sense. You know, those early relationships that we have do so much to kind of set this framework or model for all other relationships. So it could be really difficult, not can be, it is really difficult to even just recognize those voices and those messages from the past that are saying this healing isn't okay or you know you're now vulnerable and something bad is going to happen so i really just want to validate that and let you know that this is a really really common thing you know i i i can't tell you how familiar this is even for myself you know I, and it doesn't just have to be a negative relationship or to a hard relationship that we went through. It could be a challenging childhood. It could be the model of uh, relationships that we got from our parents. But any of these messages and these, you know, first kind of examples of love or um, uh, trust, like how we can trust people, can do a lot and to to affect our current relationships. And, you know, I want to give you so much credit for being in the relationship that you are in right now and just acknowledge that progress that you've made and, you know, take a look at that. You clearly, you know, you say you're in a healthy relationship now. That takes a lot, you know, really acknowledge where you are and how far you've come and how much you've done to work on building trust in this healthy relationship that you have. And there are going to be times when those voices come up and and pop up and and that makes us feel scared and unsafe right and and less prepared and really worried like scared and fearful of the potential hurt or you know whatever it could be even like losing the relationship that we're scared of but this fear pops up and so these voices pop up that say this healing is a bad thing or that somehow like trusting this person is going to end in hurt but usually that comes with this action of control. We say, oh no, I have this feeling that I can't trust this person or I have this feeling that uh, things are, are somehow I'm letting my guard down. And so we respond to that with a way to get control again or feel safe again. Maybe it's putting our guard up. Maybe it's isolating. Maybe it's pulling away. But all of those are just efforts to feel safe, efforts to have control. And control in reality, is just an illusion of safety. We think, oh no, if, if I can control the situation, if I, whether I'm in, maybe not in a relationship or am I have my walls up or I don't be too vulnerable, then I won't get hurt. And the reality is relationships come with hurt, even if we're going, if we're doing everything perfect, but they also come with joy and love and uh, friendship and connection and, you know, so many wonderful shared memories together and things that are so good that are going to take mm, braving those vulnerable moments, really. And it's okay that the voices are there. It makes so much sense. Like we talked about before with your relationship past, it makes sense that those voices are going to come up and that's okay. You know, I always say to clients, you are not responsible for your first thought or your first feeling but you are responsible for your second thought and your first action. So let's take an ex let's take this for example. Your first thought may be oh no, I'm getting too comfortable. I'm 
too vulnerable in this. I'm going to get hurt. And that might cause the feeling of fear or worry or doubt. And that then usually causes us to take an action. And that's the part we have to jump in and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's another thought that I can have to then get a different feeling and take a different action? What's a different thought that I can have instead of this fear-based one right now? So we jump in with the second thought of, well, you know, I know you're scared and I know you feel vulnerable right now, but this is a person who's showing you that they're showing up. And this is a person who is not the same person as your ex. And you actually have to say those things to yourself. You actually have to have the replacement thought because that little voice inside your head is this really scared, really fearful, like doesn't believe only has the information of the past to go on. And you have to, you and your wise mind have to talk to that voice and have to say, I got you. I, I see the bigger picture. I see the action of this person. And then you can take that first action, which might be something like taking a deep breath, or it might be something like making a list of the ways that your new partner is different from past partners. But I really want you to understand that that feeling that you have and that those old voices and, and, you know, protective voices are there for a reason, you know, they're there to protect you, but sometimes they, they are working a little too hard or they're, they're, I don't know, kind of like, like a, an overprotective crossing guard who's like, no, no, we can't go now. And I'm like, the coast is clear. Everything's fine. It's okay. I'm not going to get hit. Don't worry. So we, we have to like kind of talk to this side of us, this anxious side of us. And this is all easier said than done, but it takes time. It takes time to prove to that little voice that things are different now. And the more evidence that you can show that little voice inside your head, the quieter and quieter it gets. And, you know, these are things that often we keep from our partner because we think like, I don't want to burden them with this, or I don't want them to think that, you know, I don't want to be in this relationship. But these are things that you can absolutely talk about. And it's really best to talk about with your partner, you know, address these concerns out in the open. And you can say, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You you can use what I use and I always blame it on my crazy brain. I go, you know, my anxious brain or my those, those fearful voices inside my head are telling me that like, if I let my guard down, I don't know, I'm going to get hurt. Can you just like talk to these voices inside my head and tell them why you're not going to do that? And then usually our partners will be like, oh my God, I love you so much. I'm never going to do that. Don't worry. And if they don't respond in that way, that maybe gives us a little more information that we can work with and, and maybe we need to work on you know some some good, healthy validation. But I think that this is something that is very, very common and really uh, universally experienced by people who have had difficult relationships in the past or dealt with any kind of trauma in relationships in the past. And it's really hard to not bring that hurt into current relationships, but trusting yourself and trusting the partner that you have and being able to talk about this openly will help heal these wounds. And, you know, I just really encourage you to do some ongoing self-reflection. You know, journaling is something that can be so powerful and so helpful as a tool to work through, you know, like uh, these past memories of these like fears that pop up, just writing them down, you know, even just calling in and leaving a voicemail for you guys listening. I think it's really helpful to just kind of call and like share these things. And I hope that our listener felt better even after getting to just talk about this in a voicemail and, and hear these thoughts out loud. I know that always helps me. That's such a big part of therapy. So, you know, if it gets to be something where these voices get too strong or you feel like it's really impacting the relationship in a negative way, then, you know, do seek some help from a therapist. This is something that a therapist can really help with. They can go over some of the fears and the things from the past that you're bringing into current relationships, look at expectations or um, maybe faulty beliefs that you may have. And uh, yeah, so just be patient with yourself, you know, use those tools like journaling. Um, There are some great books that are helpful for this that I think you would really enjoy. 
There's a great book called Whole Again, Healing Your Heart and Rediscovering Your True Self After Toxic Relationships and Emotional uh, emotional Abuse. And that's by Jackson McKenzie. And that's available online. And you get Kindle. I think they have audiobook too. So check that out. I think that'll be really helpful. And just, you know, remember that building trust is is a lot about just opening up your own heart and trusting yourself and the relationship that you're in. And so I wish you the best of luck in this healing journey for you. And thank you again for listening from afar. Let's take a quick break before our next question to talk about my little secret that is now a secret no longer. You guys are going to get in on this and you're going to be very grateful that you did to getting amazing wine at the fraction of a price that you normally pay in stores. Uh, it's Naked Wine. Naked Wine is here to connect you with like they're connecting winemakers and wine drinkers directly and allowing for the vineyard to come to your door via delivery for up to, up to 60% off what you would pay in store. That's right. They're cutting out that traditional retail middleman and then giving you all of the savings. We're talking like hundreds of top quality award-winning wines at a huge, huge savings. Naked Wines is perfect for any type of wine drinker. They've got boxes that you can customize to fit exactly what you like. I'm in a white wine mood, so I made my box all white wines and then threw a little champagne in there for fun. You can swap things out. You can get things customized based on your individual uh, preferences. So head on over to nakedwines.com slash TCE and click enter voucher at the top right when you get to the website. Uh, Put in TCE for both the code and the password and you'll get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That is $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. You're welcome. That's nakedwines.com slash TCE. Use the code and password TCE and grab those six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash TCE. Code and password TCE for $100 off your first six bottles. Enjoy. All right, next question. Hi, Sarah. This is Courtney. I am calling with a question about uh, how to feel when your partner looks at other women and it doesn't really make you feel good. But prior to this relationship, you used to joke about it and it didn't bother you that much. But now it does. I don't know how to sit with these feelings. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Hi, Courtney. Thank you so much for this question. This is something that I talk about so frequently in couples therapy with friends. It is a subject that comes up a lot and something that a lot of listeners call in and write in and ask about. So thank you so much for verbalizing this for everybody who is thinking it. Yeah, it doesn't feel so good when our partner looks at other people, right? But I think, you know, you kind of recognized a, a little bit, at least it sounds like it from what you said in uh, your voicemail, that this is something that maybe you joked about or did before you guys were in a relationship, or maybe you did before you were in a relationship. And now all of a sudden things have changed. Feelings are different. And now it feels like, uh-oh, something's at risk when my partner looks at other women. Even just this shift in thinking from how you used to think can feel uh, really confusing and kind of unsettling because it feels like, what the heck? I thought I was like the cool girlfriend. I used to be fine with this and now I'm not. And so even just that gives us those feelings about the feelings. You know, we, we feel this sense of jealousy or I don't know, discomfort, whatever it may be, this uh, icky feeling when we see our partner looking at another woman. And then we have the feelings about the feelings. I, here I am thinking, oh my gosh, why do I feel so jealous right now? And then we feel disappointed in ourselves because we feel jealous. And a lot of times these metacognitions, which is what, uh, it's what they're called, can be really affecting and like really kind of send us into a spin and kind of add on, pile on more thoughts and more feelings that don't feel so pleasant. And it's important to acknowledge where these unpleasant feelings come from, right? There's this this little jealous monster that comes out when you see this action. And then maybe this action creates a whole story for you in your mind about what this means. And that's the kind of stuff that is so important to communicate and talk about in a relationship so that you don't let those stories and and 
you know, ideas in your head grow roots and create some, you know, big fantasy in your mind of what's really going on. That's not at all the reality of the situation. I can remember I was together for a long time with somebody who was in the hospitality business and he was super flirty with hostesses and um, with like serving staff and it was part of his job. And I got so jealous when he would be, you know, kind of flirty and schmoozy with these women. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, he's pro like all these stories, you know, your mind, like I see him do it. And then I create a story for what's going to happen. So I, of course, talked to my therapist about it and was like, oh, I'm getting so jealous and what the heck. And she was encouraged me to have conversation with him about it. And so I brought it to his attention. And then he was real quick to clear it up and say, this is part of my job. Like I kind of, you know, have to do it. I have to go into restaurants and I have to be a big personality and don't confuse that for, you know, anything other than me just being personable with people. And it kind of puts some of those worry thoughts uh, at ease for me. So I really want you to encourage, or I really want to encourage you to talk about this in a healthy way with your partner. Now, this does not look like, you know, trust me, I did it the unhealthy way a few times where, you know, I'd see him and I'd be like, what the heck, why are you flirting with her? That's not the time to talk about it or the healthy way to bring it up. So this is something where you wouldn't like in the moment say, why are you looking at another woman? You know, maybe after in the right time, like we've talked about so many times in these episodes, talking about building that scene to have a healthy, good, direct conversation with your partner is really going to be the place to do it. So yeah, set some boundaries. If you feel like, you know, there are, um, I don't know, there, there's more than, than just like how he's looking, or maybe it's communicating how he's looking at them and, and how it makes you feel, but saying it in a way where you're using that I statement, those I statements and that good, healthy communication, Mad Libs, which is, I feel blank when you do blank and what I need from you is blank. So that would look like, you know, I feel really, um, and then you kind of have to identify how you're feeling. So I feel really dismissed and maybe like not as important when, uh, you know, I see you checking out other women and, you know, I'd love for you to just like maybe be a little less obvious when I'm around, you know, cause it doesn't make me feel so good. And that's how we communicate that in a healthy way. Now, I also have this strategy that I've employed in my current relationships and in all future relationships after being with the person who is really schmoozy with everybody. And I kind of have this, if you can't beat them, join them mindset. You know, in my current relationship, Eli and I love to play who has the best butt at yoga. So we will go to yoga and we will be like, Ooh, who has the best butt in this room? Yeah. We're totally checking everybody out in there. And often it's not a woman who wins. It's usually a dude who has got the best butt, but we kind of play it, turn it into a game and make it kind of fun. And it in some way, like, I feel like it strengthens our connection and you do have to be secure in the relationship to be able to engage in things like that and be playful in that kind of way. But that I know is something where uh, we've kind of looked at checking out other people as something that we can, I don't know, kind of connect on because the reality is they're always going to be better looking people. They're always going to be hotter people that I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm the best looking person in the room in a lot of rooms. So I think, you know, let them look and, and we can't ever stop somebody from infidelity. I know that is like such a, a hard reality, like a, such a hard pill to swallow, but it's the truth, Right. We are in a way always at risk for infidelity, but acknowledging it and recognizing that and staying committed and, and looking at the ways that you're committed in the relationship and how your partner is showing up and giving you the signs that he is in the relationship are going to help kind of protect you from infidelity. And sometimes that fear and that worry that somebody is looking at other women or is, is I don't know, checking somebody else out can cause these emotional responses that have the opposite effect of what we want. We want to point it out and we want to tell our partner, like, I don't want you to do that because it makes me worried that you're going to leave me. And then not doing that, not, not addressing that the right way can 
push our partner away. I'm not saying that we drive anybody to go cheat. That's on them. Of course, they're responsible for their own actions. But what we can do is we can create a relationship where it feels really comfortable and safe to talk about things like jealousy and talk about things like the uncomfortable feelings that you get when, you know, he looks at other women or something like that. So, you know, I have a great book that I think you would really, really enjoy if you have not read it already. It's called Mating in Captivity, and it's by Esther Perel. Uh, You can check out any of her stuff. I think it'll really, really help with this. She talks about how to keep passion alive and what you need in a relationship, in a modern relationship. It's passion, it's desire, and how those things wax and wane throughout the course of a relationship. And she talks a lot about how our view of sex as an adult comes from the experiences that we had when we were a child. And working through these things uh, and just better understanding the messages that we got about sex or the view that we have on even just like what it means when somebody looks at another woman can really help to maybe stop those stories that you're creating in your mind about what that means. And maybe you have a different meaning than your partner does for what checking out other women, I don't know, means or or says about the relationship. And it's important to explore those things together as a couple, you know, understand what his views uh, uh, on these behaviors mean and how they are perceived by somebody else. And, you know, maybe what messages he got about sex growing up, all these kind of things, all these uh, topics and conversations are going to help you guys better understand each other and help you guys set boundaries within your relationship that feel good for both of you. And maybe it's just informing him how these behaviors, how looking at other women makes you feel. And maybe it's you understanding that this is just a very innocent act and, you know, no big deal. And he is committed and, and in the relationship. And, you know, sometimes somebody who's good looking walks by, you know, we're, we're all human and we're going to check out other attractive people. It's kind of, you know, like they wouldn't put good looking people in magazines if we weren't meant to look at them. So there are going to be good looking people. We are going to look at them and it's the story and the message that we create from this action uh, that we can change, that we can correct and that we can work on in the relationship so that you can kind of navigate these uncomfortable feelings that come up when he does that. So I hope you check out that book and I hope that you guys uh, can you know communicate these boundaries uh, in your relationship. And I hope that maybe you can come to a place where, uh, you know, you can manage some of those uncomfortable feelings and have understanding for your partner if they are to look at another woman, given that there's no action taken and it's within the boundaries of your relationship. So thank you for this question and thank you for listening to our show. Let's take a quick pause to talk about one of my favorite sponsors. It's Next Evo Naturals. If you guys are users of CBD products, uh, then maybe you know that not all CBD products are created equally. And oil-based CBD products can often not mix well with our water-based bodies. And what happens is we absorb as low as 6% of the CBD on the label. So Next Evo Naturals is here with the solution for that. They have this fast-absorbing product that is going to help you feel less stressed, uh, feel less anxious, going to help you with trouble sleeping. This is fast acting. It has, acts as quick as in 10 minutes. I know one time I was uh, uh, on a flight, it was Eli and my first trip and we went to Croatia and we treated ourselves to a business class trip and I took a Next Evo gummy at, for sleep and I was so upset because I fell asleep so, so fast. And then I missed the wonderful in-flight service in our business class. And I said, never again. I'm saving this for when I actually want to sleep because this shit works. So if you're looking for better sleep, just like me, leave oil behind and start the year off with more effective, fast-acting CBD from Next Evo Naturals. Get 25% off any order, up to 60% off as a new subscriber by using the code CHANGES at nextevo.com. That's 25% off your order or up to 60% off a new subscription at nextevo.com with promo code CHANGES. All right, next question. Hi, Sarah. Long story short, I had been in a 14-year emotional relationship. We dated for maybe two to three years out of that time. But after that, I kept doing things for them in general, just being their friend. 
And eventually I realized they were taking advantage of that. So we, I stopped contacting them. Couldn't really stop seeing them because we live in a really, it's not a small town, but apparently our circles are small enough. And things just got really bad. So I've gone through a lot of the grief process already because it's been maybe five, if not more years since all of this went down. Um, maybe closer to 10, but, um, I keep dreaming about them and it's very frustrating to me because my dreams are almost always, Hey, look, if this person was back in your life, what if you made up, what if you were together again? And, things like that, and I honestly hate it. <laughs> so if you have any advice for how to, like, stop dreaming about a person you don't ever want to be with again, so maybe my subconscious is telling me that's not true, so I need to actually, like, come to terms with the fact that I do still love them and would want to be with who I believe they are, if that makes sense. Um that would be really great because I hope I'm not the only one who deals with their brain being a jerk like this because it's not fun. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just because it's around the Valentine's week day. So, you know, first of the year, all that love stuff and, you know, I don't know. Anyway, thank you for your time. Hello, listener. Thank you so much for this call. Man, you are not the only one that has a brain that tells you these things. You are right. You know, brains are such jerks sometimes. So I really just want to validate you and having those kind of feelings and like wanting to have different dreams and not being able to kind of escape that. That is something that could be so frustrating and the brain is so annoying sometimes. So I totally get you and I know so many other people listening feel you on that one. So thank you so much for vocalizing what I know so many people deal with. And, you know, I also want to say that I'm so sorry that you were in a relationship where you were taken advantage of. It really sounds like you put a lot of energy and effort into that and it was taken advantage of, like you said, and wasn't reciprocated. And, you know, that freaking sucks. And that can leave us feeling like maybe we did something wrong. You know, we put so much energy into something and Everything else shows us the more energy we put into something, the more we're going to get out of it. And sometimes relationships aren't like that, especially if somebody isn't able to reciprocate or, you know, it's an unhealthy um, or abusive relationship where you're being taken advantage of. Yeah, it is really hard to overcome those kind of emotions and move past that. And it could be really hard if you live in the same community and you have to like even think or worry about running into that person or seeing them and it brings up a bunch of feelings. I know I feel like that when I just go back and visit the state of California. I'm like, oh no, I'm in the same state as my exes. What if I run into them? So that is a very like normal feeling to have. And even just like the worry about that may plant that person into, into your subconscious and then you may end up dreaming about them. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the dreams and a lot of people, I, I have a lot of clients who come in and share dreams with me. And, you know, the, the thing that I really want to stress about dreams is that we cannot take them literally at all. You know, they are representations of internal feelings and subconscious feelings that we have that are getting played out in bizarre ways. So when I have a client who has a dream that they have over and over, a dream that maybe is unsettling or, or sticks with them for a little while, instead of looking at the details of the dream, the person that it was or where you were or what took place, instead look at the feelings that you have about the dream or the feelings that you remember having in the dream. You know, I wonder if maybe there's something that says you are repeating patterns or repeating um, uh, experiences and, and relationships over and over. And maybe this person is a representation of 
that in some way. So I wouldn't take it so literally with dreaming about that person. I know it's unsettling and I know it's upsetting to dream about somebody that you don't want to be dreaming about, but sometimes the over uh, uh, fixation or, you know, over like processing or analyzing of the dream the next day can then just make you dream about it the next night because that's what you've been thinking about all day. So as difficult as it is to do to kind of put those dreams to rest, it can help to write them out and get them onto a piece of paper so you can kind of look at them with a little bit of distance and perspective. But I would not be trusting your dream mind to be giving you any real information on whether you should be with somebody. You know, it's your waking wise mind that's going to have the information on that. Your waking mind and, and the, the person that was leaving the voicemail on the phone uh, is the one who has the information of whether you should be with that person or not. And it sounds like from your voicemail that you would not want to be. It's the person that you definitely do not want to be with ever again. So that is the person that you need to listen to. And instead, look at what kind of feelings and, and patterns maybe in your life these dreams or this recurring dream represents. What was your role in that relationship? And how maybe are you repeating some of those same patterns in other relationships in your life? Sometimes I feel like our dreams are these little nudges to get us to take care of something that we're not dealing with. You know, when I, I will have a few reoccurring dreams and often they're, this is going to sound silly, but my reoccurring dream is of being trapped on the International Space Station. And this is, it was very funny when that new movie ISS came out. I was like, oh God, my actual nightmare come to life. So yeah, there, I, I have like dreams about being tra trapped on the International Space Station. I'm not worried that one day I'm going to be an astronaut and be trapped there, but I look at, wow, that's the feeling of maybe being trapped in a situation that I can't get out of or would be like really hard to escape from or, or I feel like stuck. And so I look at what areas in my life do I feel like I'm stuck in or do I feel like I'm maybe not being able to, um, you know, express myself and feel kind of trapped in or... Yeah. So I want you to kind of like analyze the dream like that. Look at the feelings and the patterns in your life that feel similar to the dream, not necessarily the exact details, like exactly what's happening and, and who the star character of that is, because that could just be like whatever was on your mind that day. And if you're trying so hard to think about this relationship that you don't want, it's the same as if I ask all you guys listening right now, don't think of pink elephants. Whatever you do, don't do it. Don't think of them. Well, all of you guys are thinking about pink elephants right now. So we can say the mind just doesn't understand don't. So we can't say don't dream of this person, don't dream of this person, because guess what? You are inviting in dreams of that person. So instead, we want to maybe explore those in a different way and give the brain an alternative thing to, thing to dream about. Um, yeah, dreams are weird, aren't they? And then you couple that with Valentine's Day, like, you know, right behind us. And it means there was a lot of messages about love and about relationships. So you had relationships on the brain. It totally makes sense to me that you would be dreaming about an ex during this time, especially if that's been on your mind recently. So give yourself a little bit of grace and a little bit of compassion, a lot of compassion, and understand that this does not mean that you should get back together with them. And you are not the only one who deals with your brain being like a jerk. All of us do. My brain, oh, such a jerk sometimes. And we just have to, like, in a way, hack our brain to work for us and not against us. Because sometimes it's working so hard and it's just misguided efforts that our brain does. So, you know, I hope this answered your question. I hope you can give yourself a little bit of that compassion that we were talking about. And uh, I hope that your dreams change up a little bit, you know, maybe, I don't know, watch some scary movies and like start having like, I don't know, different kinds of nightmares. No, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. Use the other advice. And uh, yeah, Happy dreaming, and thank you so much for listening to our show, and good luck. Well, before we wrap things up here, I have to share with you an amazing new product that I have been using and absolutely loving. I am talking about One Skin skincare products. This is a new brand that 
is totally changing the skincare game because they're using stuff that, believe it or not, actually targets the root cause of aging rather than just treating the symptoms. Their secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient to scientifically be proven to reduce the buildup of these awful cells that contribute to skin aging. And fewer of these cells mean younger, healthier looking skin with fewer lines and wrinkles, reduced age spots, and stronger natural barrier, which is something that's really important, especially at this drier time of year. I've been using it myself, especially since I've been staying at home and recovering from a major surgery I just had. I've spending a lot of time taking care of my skin and I am noticing huge differences by using one skin. I've, it's like all I'm using right now. I've just that alone and they've simplified it. It's fantastic. One skin is more than skincare. It's about skin longevity, targeting the root cause of aging to help you look and feel your best at every age. So get started today with 15% off using code TCE at oneskin.co. That's 15% off at oneskin.co with code TCE. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support my show and tell them that I sent you. And so yeah, now is the time to expect more from your skincare routine. Invest in the health of your skin with OneSkin. All right. Hi, Sarah. This question is about how to express our needs within our social circle through IVF and infertility. I'm about to start the IVF process, and we've been asked by almost everyone around us how they can help. I'm so overwhelmed with everything that I don't know what to say or how to even accept help. IVF can be a taboo subject and We're pretty open with our story, but it's hard to not feel pitied or uncomfortable when people offer emotional support and help. So how do I get past this? Hi, listener. Thank you so much for this great question. You know, navigating these kind of conversations with friends can be so difficult because their emotions and and things that you're kind of going through and navigating yourself. So, you know, it's difficult when somebody asks how they can help when you're still kind of learning about the help you're going to need. And it sounds like you have a really, really supportive friend group. You know, a lot of times I get questions about how to discuss IVF or or, um, how to discuss this process in a friend group when people aren't very sympathetic to it and aren't very understanding. And it sounds like your friends are being really sympathetic and understanding, but it can feel really overwhelming. And there's a lot of uncertainty around knowing how to express your needs, you know, within this whole journey that you're going through. So I really just want to, first of all, recognize the challenges and like the emotional ups and downs that come with the IVF process. You know, I have people close to me in my life who have gone through this, are going through this, and it is very emotional. You know, there are a lot of highs and a lot of lows and a lot of unknowns and a lot of things that you're kind of like that's out of your control that you're putting in the hands of other people that's going to come with a lot of stress. And so you can have a whole bunch of different emotions that come with that. And it sounds like there's a little bit of discomfort from maybe even being in that position of needing care and needing help. And that's okay. You know, that is something, oh, as somebody who's recently needed a lot of help, I just had major surgery and biggest one of the hardest hurdles to overcome was learning how to ask for help and let other people help me. And it sounds like that's something that you're also struggling with. You know, it comes with those feelings of like, oh, I, I hope these people don't pity me. Or, you know, if they are asking for help, I or like asking, uh, you know, what they can do. Do they see me as some kind of like victim or some kind of person who like is incapable? And that doesn't sound like it's the case. You know, it sounds like maybe we need to do a little reframing here and maybe look at their gestures instead of looking at them as like, you know, feelings of pity or like, you know, them them feeling bad for you. See those gestures and those acts of kindness and those offers to help as real genuine care and concern and love. And that is the kind of stuff that is really going to help support you and your partner as you go through, or maybe just you alone, as you go through the IVF process. Like that is, 
that's what we need. We need those people there to support us. That is what community is all about. And I have a feeling if you're somebody who feels like, oh, I don't want to be a burden or I don't want to be pitied by other people, then you're probably somebody who's more comfortable with caring for other people and being the one to take care of people. And I'll ask you, what does it feel like to take care when you get to take care of somebody else, when you get to be there for somebody else or show up for them or when they tell you how they can help and you're able to provide in that way? Doesn't that feel so awesome and so wonderful? And isn't that like the ultimate expression of love? So don't take away from your friends the opportunity to show their love and show their care for you, you know? And it may be more that like there are certain... uh, uh misunderstandings about what this process is like. And I think some people see it as like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry you're going through this and maybe like overemphasize the negatives. But just because somebody has difficulty processing what you're going through or they express feelings of sadness or, or you know, grief over your experience does not mean that you have to experience those feelings yourself. You know, this experience is what it is for you. And like I said, it's going to have its highs and it's going to have its lows, but this is your experience. And these, instead of people who are like pitying you or people who are trying to make you feel uncomfortable are people who are trying to show you that they love you and offering support in the best way that they know how. And I can't, think of a single time where I myself have gone through something difficult or have been working with a client who's gone through something difficult where I haven't heard reports or experienced myself firsthand. Things that people try to say to show support, make you feel better that just come off as like, uh, like insensitive or I don't know, like just it's it's kind of like when somebody passes away and they say, oh, they're in a better place. Like, fuck off with that. Like, I know people are trying to say the right thing, but there's something that happens when we are holding the space for somebody going through grief where we just want to like make it better or going through anything difficult where we just naturally want to make it better and, and say whatever we can. And, and most often it's the wrong thing. So you have to also have some... Ugh, a little bit of like understanding and compassion maybe and like give your friends the benefit of the doubt if they say if and when they say things that maybe don't make you feel that great. And just keep in mind intention versus impact. What's the intention that this friend has with what they're saying and what's the impact that it's having on you? And you know, this like this is your process, this is your time and you get to communicate what your needs are. And that could even be telling your friends, hey, like I know you guys are like trying to offer me help, but what I really need for you to do is just like treat me like normal and just, you know, be there if I if I need you and, you know, when I call. But can we just like I'd love a regular hangout sesh. I'd love a time for us to get together and talk about anything but this. And maybe there'll be a time when I call you and I really need to talk about this. But when that day comes, I will let you know. But really, I just need my friend to be just the regular friend that they always are. And maybe that could take some of the pressure off them because it sounds like they're just trying to show up for you and support you in the best way that they know how. And maybe, maybe we look at this as a little bit of a trial run because when baby comes along, you're going to have to ask for help because it takes a village, you know, like that saying goes. It, at raising a kid, you are going to need help at some point from other people. And so learning and getting familiar or getting a little more comfortable with asking for help and not... Uh, uh, like, I don't know, having the feelings about the feelings like we talked about earlier, like, oh gosh, I've asked for help. I guess that means that I'm not good enough or I can't do this on my own or whatever else those voices may be telling you that like we can work on, on moving through that and moving past that and learning how to ask for help in a really healthy way. And I would also like, if it's bringing up a lot of feelings when like people ask for or when you have to ask people for help, or when somebody says, how can I help you? If that brings up a lot of feelings, maybe explore what it means and what 
uh, experiences or memories you have of what comes with somebody helping you in the past. You know, maybe you came from a family where help always came with strings attached. Like when you asked for help or when you were in need, somebody held it over your head or they used that against you or weaponized that in some way. So maybe there's some meaning that you're making from asking for help or or somebody uh, offering help that is you know, worth exploring. So I hope that this advice helps. You know, in summary, I really just want you to remember that your friends are offering their support and are there to love you and, uh, you know, are really like wanting some guidance in how they can best help you. And although that is a really difficult thing to have to accept, learning to do so can bring us so much strength and so, and deepen our relationships and getting to allow another person or allowing, I should say, allowing another person the opportunity to love us is a gift for them and a gift for you. So best of luck in that whole IVF process. Um, we are just really sending you thoughts of love and of success and all of that and care and comfort for whatever you need at this time, just like your friends are. And thank you so much for the call. Well, what a great episode and what great questions you guys all asked. Again, if you are listening and you want to ask a question, you can call in. Our number is in the description of this episode, um, as well as a bunch of links to all of our amazing sponsors. And it super supports us and and helps keep the lights on and keep the show going when you guys use those coupon codes. Um, But our number again is 313-338-8828. And you can call anytime and ask just about anything. I am going to be doing an episode coming up on caregiving, on um, like illness and, um, you know, like living with chronic illness. I got a lot of questions about that and would love to share a little bit about my personal experience um, dealing with an ongoing illness and then going through surgery and, you know, caregiving during those times and also being a caregiver. I've been on both sides of this and uh, you get a lot of questions about that. So I would love for you guys to call in and ask your questions on that topic. And again, all of the information that you need um, from this episode, like the books I talk about, you can find in the description. And thank you again for tuning in and I'll catch you next time on This Changes Everything. See you later.